When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terry Scottish football podcast on your chosen podcast player now. The summer is behind us already. How did that happen? And I'm sure we can agree it's been the strangest one ever. Thankfully, we have the return of football to provide much needed normality as the nights draw in. To celebrate this, Beer 52 are generously offering free beer to you while watching your team from the comfort of your own home. They are offering eight craft beers, sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet, for free. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash chills and just cover the $5.95 for the postage. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they send a brand new case to every month. Every month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea and all over the USA and Europe. As an independent British company, Beer 52 are passionate about the UK craft beer scene, which they continue to support during this difficult period. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment and a tasty snack. Don't worry though, if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to beer52.com forward slash chels to get your first case of eight beers for $5.95. That's beer52.com forward slash chels.
Hello, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, who knows what time of day it is, but welcome to the Chels. How are we this week? Is it depressing to have lost to Liverpool, or just another step along the way of change? Don't be downhearted, angry, upset or irrational. And let Andy and myself soothe your cares away with a rational look at what happened this week. So without further ado, here he is. It's only Mr Andy Rational Saunders. How are you doing? You alright? Um, yeah, I'm alright actually. Good. It's not been a bad old week. How about Good. you? Yeah, not a bad old week. It's fine. I think, you know, we were just chatting about this being the last nice sort of weather day of the year, really. Um, you've got a bit of sunshine out there. It all goes horribly wrong from tomorrow, I think. So we then go down into our kind of seven, eight-month hibernation, which is a slightly depressing thought. I don't mind the autumn too much, do you? Uh, no, I love the autumn. I love a nice crisp afternoon and, and being in my seat at the ground and watching the football and the season unfold. You like Except crisps in the afternoon, I know that. <laughs> I used to, but... Trust me, I, I leave them alone now. Um, hey, we're not but, allowed to go back to football, are we? According to I was the, just going to gonna say morning. that. Yeah, because they were thinking about opening it up, weren't they, to a select number of fans, and then that's all been shut down this morning. Yeah, October the 1st was supposedly the start of the trial dates. Um, yeah. I, I was, I was going to say, you know, but you, you beat me to it. But this surely is the the death knell, isn't it, for sporting crowds until at least the spring? Because they, they're now talking far more, um, I don't know, openly about the fact that COVID really probably will do rather well during the winter months. And um, I, I just can't see us going back till till next year now. No, I can't either. And it, it, I mean, it's a shame, but I, again, it's a bit like the Liverpool result, really. I fully expected it. So it's not, um, you know, it's not a shock, I don't think. We just have to write this season off, I think, as, as match going fans, which is a real shame. I mean, the fact that the club haven't even sent out any season ticket information or, you know, they haven't even sort of kept us up to date means that it, it, it's nowhere near on the horizon. Uh, I know there was going to be a few trials in, in October, but it's not going to happen now. So we just have to get used to watching it on telly yeah i agree and 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 this is i'm afraid the way we will watch football for the foreseeable future and um it's it's quite it's quite interesting because there's all sorts of discussions about how it actually affects the games themselves and there's quite a lot of away wins this this uh, weekend and that's been kind of one of the main talking points hasn't it that actually home advantage kind of disappears or seemingly disappears yeah, well, it's obvious, isn't it? If you haven't got 40,000 screaming fans trying to intimidate the opposition, then it's, it's clearly not, not going to have the effect that it normally would. But isn't this quite interesting sort of thinking? Because it shows just how important fans are to the actual game. They're not a supporting cast. They do definitely play a role. Yeah, well, I've always thought that, haven't you? I've always thought that. I, I know that there's, I, you know, yeah, I have. Th- th- there's always, you know, because we've been going to matches for forty years, you and I, and and so we know this. We know what part we play in it, and we know how a rabid crowd, particularly for example, in a midweek Champions League game that really matters under the lights, we know what what an advantage that gives the home team. Um, we know in recent years as well that the sort of passion in in the crowd has dropped off a little bit as pricings become higher, as more 
for want of a better expression, tourists come to the game, uh, more of the, um, you know, sort of traditional crowd have been priced out and moved out of the game. So, you know, these are things that football clubs should look at when we come out of this darkness and say, it's really interesting, you know, to, to have noted the the effect that no crowds have had on it. And perhaps we should take crowds a little bit more seriously and think of ways that we can you know we can work towards you know getting getting that level of passion back in the ground uh, I, th- I think you're spot on there i think this is a you know, it's an affirmation of everything we know and it's mm. good for everyone else to realize this who may not be associated or you know there's always the talk of clubs don't really understand how important their fans are well if they really are clubs that think like that i think they'll think again well we know that the emphasis that's been put on corporate supporters we know the emphasis that's been put on for want of a better expression sanitizing the crowd and and in some cases for good reason because there are elements of crowd behavior that we do need to you know to dispose of the racism the homophobia you know some of that sort of nasty stuff that we don't none of us want in the game um, but there's an element of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Is if you sanitise the game too much, then you end up with sterile atmospheres, and and that doesn't that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help the players. It doesn't help the, the fans. It doesn't doesn't help anybody. So it's it's really having a rethink about how you get rid of some of those elements of crowd behaviour that none of us want, but keep the passion. That's the that's the balance that we need to reach. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, you know, let's see. This time off may change everything that we've ever known about football. And we will go back into the grounds. And, and maybe it'll be for the better that we've had this break. Maybe people will, I don't know, maybe not get on everyone's cases so much. You know, that was the one thing that was well, hang driving on, hang, us. Hang on a minute. Have you, have, you, have you looked at social media after the game <laughs> at the weekend about people I try getting not on people? To. Well, I, I know you do, but I can tell you that, you know, the, the, the Lampard out chorus grew pretty loud, you know, after two games. People are still idiots. People still react <laughs> overly emotionally to individual results, blame individual players. That's always going to go on. That That's not going to change. You know, as soon as our, you know, new signing misplaces a pass when people are back in, in the grounds, you know, it's going to get grief. That, that's just the way people react emotionally to football, sadly. Yeah, I- yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying, and I'm sure there's probably people who are saying Havertz is a waste of money. But we'll all come of that, on to all him. of that is going yeah. on because you know people you know react to football in 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 a very very emotional way. And listen, I do as well. I do. You know, everybody does. Everybody shouts at the telly and throws things around and you know screams with frustration when things go wrong. Of course they do, and and that you know we can't take that out of the game. Um, I mean, I, I would love people to be a little bit more circumspect when it came to individual players. I mean, that's my thing. I don't think it's ever productive to you know to particularly in the ground to scream abuse at one of your own players i don't think that helps anything but you know we have to accept that football grounds live football matches are uh, are places of passion and emotion and we want that you know we just want to you know we don't want to be too prescriptive about what people can and can't do and i'd, I'd never tell people what they can and you know can't say as long as it's legal and you know n- not hate speech you know it, within the ground but yeah i mean you're right i mean i would love people not not to abuse our own players but to say they they won't as a result of this period i think is 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 hopeful yeah you're, you're right normally you you'd really Normally I'm, for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Normally I'm wrong. Normally I'm really wrong. 
<laughs> no, I, I, I think I think I think that's the case, and it, it'll be. I mean, I'm really interested in in what my own reaction is going to be when I go back to football. Whether it's going to make me more passionate. I mean, I tell you one thing, and one thing's absolutely for sure. I am never ever going to take going to a football match for granted again. I'm never going to take it for granted again, and that has to be a good thing. Well, you don't know what you've got until it's gone, do you? You know, it's that, that old Joni line, Mitchell. the Joni Mitchell. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, it, it, it's absolutely true. How will we feel, you know? Will we just be going, oh, my God, thank God I'm here. You know, that's that's kind of what I'm saying is that just possibly what it will do is will reaffirm our love of football when we go back in that ground. I mean, the thing is, is, is throughout the summer, I mean, everybody knows that listens to this regularly. I play cricket, my weekends are full of cricket, and, and that's great. But when it gets to this time of year, I kind of flick a switch and I'm into going to football mode, you know, and I, and I go home and I go away. And Saturdays, Sundays, you know, are usually built around football. And, and not going to football is going to leave a huge void in my weekends moving forward. I said to my wife, I don't know what I'm going to do. I honestly don't know what I'm going to do at the weekends. It's, you know, it's without, you know, planning going to a game and meeting people and having lunch and all the other stuff that's associated with actually physically going to a football match it's, it's going to be a really weird adjustment I mean obviously not just for me for, for thousands and thousands of other people as well and um, you know all those times I moaned about having getting getting a train into London and you know not feeling well or you know just kind of you know sometimes as all match going football fans feel occasionally they're just not up for it that particular day I'm never ever going to take it granted for granted again and I'm sure you're the same moaning about having to come down from Northamptonshire and you know the travel and the parking I mean you'll be so grateful to go to a game all that'll be out the window wouldn't it yeah absolutely the the journey becomes important again you know yes yeah sometimes it's a it's a schlep like going to away games but that moment when you're inside the ground and you see your team out there in front of you playing well or playing badly and you realise they're your team, we, we've lost that connection that, you know, we, we now got a distant connection. We are all um, supporters abroad, as it were, you know, kind of feel and understand how, say, people feel when they're watching Chelsea far away and they're used to having had, had the time to go to Chelsea in this country to be one step removed you're still Chelsea through and through and you you live with passion through every minute but there is nothing like that feeling when I walk into the ground and you see the same faces you see you see you see everything is just part of the whole uh process of being a football fan who goes to matches and and yeah I I will I, I am missing it dreadfully I also find I'm watching far less football on the tv now I don't know why um, mm. Yeah, when Chelsea's on, I'm really excited. I'll watch, and um, I've also been watching a lot of the uh, women's games as well, which have been been fantastic. And um, that's it. I, I only care about Chelsea even more than before. I'm not going. Oh, look, every match is on. I might have a, a glance at a couple of the big games and things, but the rest of the time, I'm not fussed anymore. Is that weird? No, I kind of feel the same way. I really look forward to the Chelsea game. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, I don't feel so bad about not being in my seat when Chelsea play at Stamford Bridge because I know nobody else is. 
I mean, it's always really weird when everybody else is at a game and you're not. Say you have a family commitment or you're on holiday or, you know, whatever whatever reason you can't go to a game and you watch it on TV and there's somebody else sitting in your seat or you can see everybody at the ground. And I always feel really bereft when that happens. But the fact that nobody else is in the ground makes me feel slightly better. But on your point about watching less football, I suppose so at the moment. It's early days, isn't it? I mean, we haven't got you know any jeopardy yet at the moment we haven't got any well if they win that's going to knock us down three places or if they lose we're going to go up into champions league position we haven't got any of that going i think once that those permutations start to happen i'll start to engage a little bit more with other games but at the moment you're right big games yes chelsea games yes not too bothered about leicester burnley to be honest yeah, no, I, th- I think that's spot on. Um, and then the, I guess the the other thing we should mention briefly, transfer news. Um, supposedly this morning, Mendy is going through his medical. Hasn't that uh, been like for the last two weeks? Yeah, but Sky Sports uh, this morning have been reporting that he is having his medical today. Okay. Well, Sky so, Sports are actually a very reliable source these days. So, yes, that, that does yeah. make sense. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see if that works out. If he doesn't pass his medical, God knows what will happen. Um, well, we can't play him again, that's for sure. I mean, we cannot play him again. I know we're <laughs> going to come on and talk about the game. you know. But we have to play Caballero. I'm sorry, that's my first stake in the ground this morning. That's my first hill I'm going to die on. We can't can't play Kepper again after that performance. Can't. Oh, I, I cannot find a way <laughs> to stick up for him. It's actually quite... uh, You know me, I I will always stick up for individual players, always. I've I've even mentioned it this morning, you know, but when a player (laughs) is so clearly lacking in... Uh, in in confidence, in you know, in just basic ability to perform his job, I don't see how he can you know expect to start in an elite football team. You can't do it. I mean, the only reason presumably he's playing is because he's on the market and they want people to see him playing. But they're probably not twenty million off his value after after the game on Sunday. I think that's being generous. <laughs> 20, I mean, I don't think you get 20 for him, actually. Well, no. Uh, and I, look, this, I agree with you. I don't want to slag him off. I think the boy is shot. I think his confidence is nowhere in existence. I think he's questioning everything about his game. I think he understands, you know, people go, oh, he's just, you know, so stupid, that bloke, or oh, he's rubbish, or oh, he's this. Look, he, his first year at Chelsea, he was not a bad keeper. He had a pretty good first year on the whole. Mm. Uh, and last year, it, w- it was really pretty much, I, I hate using words like this, but abysmal, really. Um, in and out of the side. You know, we'd had all the stuff before that, at the end of the year before, with the cup final. Um, but I actually, after the Liverpool game, which, let's face it, you play Liverpool... You can't, you cannot have any passengers, especially not in goal. No. Um, and I just felt, and this is the worst thing I think you can ever feel for a footballer, is pity. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just, it, it reminded me, it, say, um, do you remember Sandy Lyle, the golfer who got the yips? 
Yeah. And and suddenly he just couldn't hold a club or hit the ball or do anything. Yeah. I mean, you find it with cricketers sometimes, particularly bowlers. Yeah. They just get the yips. They can't. They can't follow through on their action. They can't. They just can't remember how to do it, and it's it's painful um, to see a, a you know a professional sports person just fall to pieces before your eyes. And it's been a kind of slow, crumbling. Um, you know, disaster. It's, it was a disaster class on on Sunday from from Aretha Balaga, and and I just I just don't I can't see how he can figure in the manager's plans moving forward. I'd rather play Caballero every game and uh, or bring the new goalkeeper in, you know, than play a world record signing goalkeeper. It do, it doesn't make any sense to me. So so that's my first that's my first point this morning is I'm sorry, you know, I hate blaming individual players. And it's not even a blame thing, it's just a reality check. It's a reality check on Kepa. You just cannot play at this level at the moment with the headspace that you're in. No, I I'd agree. Um you know what? If we don't sign Mendy, I'm up for us playing Rush Goalie. You're too Are small. You actually... You're too small, Kerry. We've no, had this I don't mean. I don't mean. I well, don't I, mean I just got me. the sense that you were putting yourself up there like you normally do. <laughs> well, you know, I used to I play mean, goalkeeper I... at school. We've had this in a previous podcast. You're far, you're far too small to <laughs> once, play for Chelsea. Once I played, and even the under under thirteens or whatever it was, it was eight nil to the opposition, and my parents <laughs> always talked about you were the muddiest person we've ever seen in life. I was just spent most of my my time as a goalkeeper that one game uh, on the ground, so but I had you, all the Peter Bonetti gear. Play? Where did what I did normally you? play? Well, you know, number 10, wasn't I? You know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but really, where did you normally play? Left, left back uh, in the changing you... room? No, 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 no. I, I used to be quite good. I could get the ball in the net. So, you know, I, I'd play up front. I often play out on, on wide on the right-hand side. Um, were, were you nippy? Yeah, I was old-fashioned. I'd take people on the outside, you know, cross with me right. Sorry? Were you nippy? Yeah, it was actually. No, I was all right. I could pass a ball as well. That, that was one thing I could do is I could I could pick a pass. Right. But um, but you know we, we set up a football team at our school because they we just played rugby most of the time. No, because you went to a posh school, didn't you? That's what it is. Yes, I, yeah. I was the unposhest person there, really. Yeah, um, I was a thuggish centre back. <laughs> I can see that. I was, a, I was a clogger. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't particularly good. I was effective. I was decent in the air. I was violent in the tackle. Um, but but I was no good with the ball at my feet. If I'm honest. Oh, well, that is honest. You know, um, yeah. I, I I still dream that I could have been a contender. You know, but mm. there we go. So so yeah. And other than that, um, transfer news. Mendy. Well, you know, yeah. Let's see what happens. Hopefully today. It has been protracted. This isn't it. Um, so God knows why, but I guess it just happens. And considering how many transfers we did before that, that really went quite smoothly. Um, you know, well, habits just... was protracted as hell, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but there was all sorts of things in the way. There was internationals; nobody could fly in or out, and it'd be, it's got to be really difficult in certain cases. But um, and that was a bigger deal, wasn't it? You know, you're talking, yeah. you know, ninety million pounds ultimately, or whatever, with all sorts of add-ons and things. And mm. in fact, 
Uh, here's the thing. You know, everyone goes on about the money that Chelsea have spent. Well, you know, as we've talked about before, we've had money from Hazard and the Maratta money came in a few weeks ago, apparently. I don't know if you've seen, Atletico are now trying to sell him to Juventus for less than they bought him for from us, well, having only just paid us. That's nuts, isn't it? Or, or somebody said, maybe this is just a massively elaborate money laundering scheme and, and you know, Maratta's the vehicle to, to, to launder money throughout Europe. Because it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. And nobody seems to want to keep him either. No, it's because he he's crap, last... Well, I mean, when you put it technically like that, I, <laughs> I, I, begin, I begin to understand. I think he's another player, right. you know, that technically, and, 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 you know, technically he's a very, very good player. But mentally, he's shot. Mentally, he just doesn't have the, the um, you know, the stability and the consistency mentally to be able to play at this level. He just doesn't. You know, he's proved that time and time again. Well, I would say about Maratta, you and I, we will always have Stoke away. The hat trick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's technically we he that. can do it. He's a, he's, a, he's a very, very, you know, good, very good technical player. And, you know, he's got all the attributes that, you know, that, that a top international striker needs. He just doesn't have the mental... Cojones. Yeah, he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. And, and, you know, that, and, and he's been found out over, over recent seasons. So I'm, I'm not surprised at the recent turn of events. Yeah, and uh, the other bit of news, a uh, little bit of news, was Zappa Costa's gone on loan to Genoa for, for after a year at Roma, where he did his anterior cruciate. Mm. Do you think it's... Uh, but th- there's a point here. Do you think it's odd the way that Chelsea often don't sell players on, they loan them? What, I think it's what odd is that, you that all about? It, I think it's odd that you call it Genoa rather than Genoa. Okay, well, yeah, we, I was doing it the proper Italian way. The proper Somebody Italian will... <laughs> way? What are you on about? <laughs> uh, do I no, think it's I, odd? I, I, go on, sorry. No, I was just going to say, when I said it, I thought, oh, no, I got that wrong. <laughs> so thank you for picking me up. <laughs> I went to Genoa, didn't I, in, in, uh, in March uh, to see uh, Sampdoria play Napoli, but I got the wrong day. And so, so they they moved they moved the game uh, for TV when we were over there. So we had to go to watch AC Milan versus Verona instead. Um, otherwise, I would have, um, you know, I would have uh, I would have enjoyed going to their stadium because obviously they share the share the um, stadium with Sampdoria, uh, Genoa. Uh, so what do I think about putting them out on loan? Well, I guess I, I, you know I, I guess if um, if they can't get the the market value for them. Um, then, then it's probably better to go out there and uh, and go on loan and get a loan fee and get his wages paid. You know, it's a, it's, I, a, it's just weird. It's amazing how many players you find out that are still Chelsea players. Um, you know, after I mean, it's years. not a great market for going out and buying players. I mean, we're we're in a very odd situation in that we have cash in the bank, and therefore we can go and you know buy and have a have a really good window, which we have. But bearing in mind, a lot of play, a lot of teams, particularly you know teams that aren't funded by billionaires like we are, haven't got the money to go out there and 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 make these kind of purchases because they don't have any crowds. You know, and and you know things are tough financially for these clubs, so they can't go out and spend what we would perhaps expect to get for a player like Zappacosta. So it makes a lot more sense to put him out on loan and get his wages paid and get a loan fee. Yeah, no, I think that's true. All right, well, look, I suppose we've beaten around the bush enough. Um, oh, we should so we have probably to talk about get. The game. Yeah, 
we should probably talk about that game. Um, I have to say, I did see your team selection on Twitter, and I thought it was... Better. (laughs) Amusing. Amusing? Why did you think it was amusing? (laughs) Oh, because, uh, I don't know, I just think for all the things you said about Kepa, there was no way... He was going to drop Kepa for this game. And in fact, maybe it was kind of like, this will show exactly... I, I don't know. It, it was weird. There was no way that Callum was going to start the game, I thought. Um, and I don't know. He seems to have made a decision that he's not going to play Aspi at left back. Um, I agree. I think Aspi, in the, in the way the game unfolded, Aspi would have been far better than Alonso at left back because... He was never getting forward at all throughout the game. So um, it would have made sense, especially with the defensive-minded way that he obviously looked at at starting the game. So, yeah, and Callum, none of us know what kind of player he is at the moment. Um, He's got to go find himself. Um, Whether he does that at the club or whether he does it on loan, I don't know. But I think he's a contender for going out on loan. What do you think? Uh, it's a good question. I, I, I don't know is the answer. Look, I didn't say that that was the team that was going to be picked. I said this is the team I would have put out. That there's a difference there. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I didn't. Okay. Ex- I didn't expect uh, him to put that um, team out necessarily. I said if I if it were up to me, this is the team I would put out. And it had Caballero in goal. It had um, Callum uh, at the right, and it had I think it had Mount. Kante and Havertz um, in in midfield, you know. So I'm not saying yeah. that I, I think my team was much better. I do, you know, and I think it would have been a, done a better job. However, you know, if you look at we're going to come on and talk at the game, you know, it wasn't it wasn't you know it wasn't beyond the realms of possibility that we could have got something out of that game. I thought it was interesting that you've spent ninety million quid um, on a new player and you're already playing him out of position. You know, playing Havertz as a central striker essentially. I thought was a weird thing to do. Um, I can kind of see why, but I still think it's weird that you don't play him to his strengths. You know, he's a 10, ultimately. Um, I thought it was weird playing Mount up front. You know, I just don't see the point in that. That's that, you know, on the on the right of a, of a front three. You know, so there were some things in there that I thought were just weird and unbalanced the team. I don't see why you would play Marcus Alonso, one of our slowest players against Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, on the, on, on their right-hand side, our left-hand side, when you would obviously play Asby. It, you know, there's, there were so many things about that team that I thought were were weird. And I certainly wouldn't have played Kepper in goal, which I've made very clear. So, you know, so so I thought it was a strange team uh, team selection. Yeah, I mean, he was also hampered, I guess, by a certain amount of injuries. The Havert... OK, m- my take on Havertz is that he decided to give him more time. Look, I think Havertz, the the amount of time he spent with the team, he would normally, if people were fit, I think he would normally have spent the first few games being on the bench, coming on, getting acclimatised, but he's been thrust into the team straight away. He's hardly got to know anyone. He's played in two different roles in two different games. I kind of feel sorry for Havertz. You well, know, that's, I mean, that's my point. Why are you yeah. playing him out of position? 
no, know, I, I mean, I know, I know needs must. I know, I know why he's done it, and I know that he's trying to assemble a jigsaw puzzle of you know of mismatched pieces. Because let's be honest, this is not our team in three months' time. You know, half these players in this team are going to get nowhere near it in six months' time. You know, so it's it, you know it, it's as I said, you know, after the game. Um, this we always expected this to happen. I don't understand why people are losing their minds over it. You know, our season doesn't really start until probably after the international break, when hopefully some of those key players that we have purchased are fit again and can play, and we can start to build Chelsea 2.0, which is you know part of the rebuild process. I mean, looking at this team out here, you know, I, I don't think that there's you know three or four players in that team that you know that you're not going to see. For you know, for you know, for, for for the rest of the season in in key matches, you're not going to see Aretha Balaga, Kepa. You're not going to see, you know, probably Christensen and Zuma and Alonso in the same game. It's unlikely that you're going to see Jorginho. Mount's probably you know under threat. So you know, looking at that team, this is a makeshift, um, you know, get by team. You know, unfortunately against the champions, who you know, who 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 you know, gave us a very tough game. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more with you. The only person I think probably isn't in danger and will be in and around this team is Mount. Yeah, um, you're probably right. But, but I'm just saying, it's like he's not a given, given the players that we've we've bought. You know, particularly if you if you look at the midfield situation. You know, there's so many different combinations of that midfield available to Frank Lampard now that you're not going to say that Mount is the player that's going to be you know, absolutely certain of his place. I mean, I think you can say Havertz is pretty certain of his place. I think you can probably say Kante's pretty certain of his place. The other, you know, the other place is is up for grabs between, you know, about three or four different players. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, you know, because once Zayek but- and Pulisic come back and, and Werner's fit, you know, that, that's the front three with, with Abraham coming in and out of it, Giroud coming in and out of it, potentially Callum Hudson-Odoi coming in and out of it. Um, you know, so Mount's probably not going to get anywhere near that front three. So if he's got a berth, it's in midfield. I, you know, I think you're right. I think he really likes him. He trusts him. You know, he will be a key player. But my only point is he's not certain. He's definitely not certain. So, and so, so what I'm basically saying is there are good times to come. So we shouldn't base any opinion on what our season's going to be like on, on one random game with most of our key players injured or unavailable. Yeah, I, th- I think that's spot on. Um, it did seem as though Frank was... Tr- what was odd about the team selection? And again, I refer to your comments on Alonso. Um, because what he was obviously trying to do was shore up the team. And it, it reminded me of some of Jose's tactics, which was to try and nullify a first half and then make it a one-half game. Yeah, I thought um, they played very well until the sending off, obviously, uh, of yeah. Christensen. I, th- I thought it, w- I thought it was good. You know, I know, I know that they were like, oh, Liverpool are all over them, and, and you know, possession-wise, they were, but they weren't creating any real danger. I thought our shape was really good. I thought the team like, looked for for the first time in a long time like we had a game plan, like we had a strategy. You know, for the, probably since the first time, you know, until we since we played Tottenham at Christmas, you know, where we thought, oh, there's a game plan here, there's a strategy here, and it's working really well. Um, actually, I think you know. Up until the sending off, we we looked perfectly fine. I mean, the Alonso point is, you know, I just thought his pace is going to get found out, and it was for the goal. It yeah. was found out, and uh, to me, that was just obvious. I couldn't fathom it. 
No, I, I again, I'd agree with you. You know, this is this is a podcast of agreement. Mm. <laughs> you know, I know that some people found it weird that he played, and I don't think it will happen very often this season. I don't think we'll see a midfield three of Kante, Kovacic, and Jorginho that often, especially don't when the other players are fit. Doesn't work. I, th- I think doesn't work. Has no, never it worked. D- it doesn't. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't. It do, it's neither fish nor fowl. It doesn't give us any attacking. It doesn't give us any. You know, there's no. There's no goals in that midfield, and there's not enough solidity in that midfield to justify, you know, shoring up and protecting the defence. So it's it's neither one thing or another. Those players individually can all do a job in certain midfields. They can't do a job when all three of them play. I agree. It's it's, it's too much. So for me, it would be. I think. I still don't think that Kante's quite in the right position. I think he needs to be the deep-lying member of that midfield. And he was often the one who was springing forward all the time. I would prefer to see him deeper with Kovacic just alongside him, perhaps in front, and then A another, possibly Mount. Um, well, it'll knows? be Havertz. Um, yeah, I guess. It'll be Havertz. I guess it- it'll be Havertz and one and, and, and A another. You know, uh, Kovacic, Mount you know, Jorginho, Barkley, Gilmer, whoever that is, you know, and it's, it'll be Havertz who plays 10 and it'll be Kante, I think, that will play the defensive role and then the question is who sits next to him. And the reason that works is there are goals and assists in Havertz, you know, so it does allow, yeah. it does allow those other players to, you know, to work. Because basically, you know, Mount on Sunday was asked to perform pretty much a defensive role. That's not his yes. strength. You know, his strength is to is to create, to you know, to create energy, to create tempo, to, you know, to carry the ball forward, to, you know, to, yes, to close and to press and to do all that sort of stuff. But in the modern Premier League, that that's a given. You have to press in midfield. Um, you know, so so all of those players can do. I think Havertz proves he can press. I think I think Kante can definitely press. And I think Mount can press and Kovacic can press as well. So I think that, you know, it, it, there's all sorts of different combinations that can go on. But it certainly isn't Jorginho... Kante and uh, and Kovacic, which it was on Sunday, didn't work. No, I'd agree. I'd agree. Well, um, okay. So let's let's come to the incident. Um, every fibre in my body was delighted when I saw a yellow card shown to Christensen, going, maybe, maybe we'll get away with this. But what's VAR going to do? And the more you looked at it, a it. There were so many things that he did wrong in that situation. But B, that kind of grappling. And C, Kepper didn't help by coming out. I, mean, I think I mean, it was Kepper's just... fault. I think it was Kepper's <laughs> fault. I mean, I mean, number one, I was watching it with my son, and I said red immediately. That's a red. Do you know what I mean? Because it was clear that, you know, that was a goal-scoring opportunity, and he rugby tackled him to the ground. What was Kepper thinking? What was he thinking coming out and putting Christensen in that position? Because Christensen thinking he's going to shoot or he's going to take it around the goalkeeper. If the goalkeeper had not stayed but come out and narrowed the angle a little bit, that would have given Christensen a little bit more time to, you know, come up with a plan. And I know we're talking split seconds here, and it probably wouldn't have uh, made a huge huge amount of difference but he put Christians in a situation where he had to do something drastic and put him in a situation where the referee had to make a decision and if the referee couldn't make the decision then VAR were going to make the decision so it was an absolute disaster 
Yeah, it was. And that's why I was saying I was so happy when I saw the yellow car go up because it just looks so obviously a red straight away. What what I did think was, was um, good from the VAR team is that the referee went to the sideline under this new directive and looked at it on the TV and could make his own mind up. Um, yeah, that's better, so, isn't it? I do, I do think that's better. It, it takes the steam out of the situation and everyone goes, OK, referee's made the decision, that's it. Mm. Um, and yes, he, he had to go. And, and we'd seen this sort of lacklustre wandering around the penalty area, um, you know, earlier when he'd gone scooting out to, to the left-hand side of the, the penalty area to tra- trace the, the ball and, and didn't get anywhere near it. So... I don't know I, whether he's Kepa's got caught in this. Um, people say he's not commanding enough. He doesn't do this, doesn't do that. He's gone so much the other way that it's just actually ridiculous decision making. Doesn't know what he's doing. Doesn't doesn't know. Hasn't got confidence in his decisions. Is massively overthinking every aspect of his game. Is not playing uh, with any kind of muscle memory. You know, it's it's yeah. Well, we I think we can just we can do a whole podcast on it. And we should probably move on from Kepper and look at other aspects. I mean, you know, I mean, apart from the fact that you know he was, what was he thinking for the goal? You know, just lose it. Just get rid of it. Yeah, it's true. All right, well, look, we'll come back with the second half um, of the game and our thoughts on that after this commercial break. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean... And more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at Cooler. Dot bike, or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back. So, Andy, Christensen goes off, uh, and finally we see almost a forgotten face um, in Tamori comes on, mm. who, uh, who a lot of people have been, you know, it's ridiculous, I don't understand why he's not played. From what I can gather from from Frank, he had injuries. He wasn't right. I don't think there was anything personal. We, d- we don't know. Again, it's speculation. But I just wonder if he just hasn't been fit enough until this moment to, to be in and around the squad. Because he came on. Um, I don't know how you viewed it. But for me, I, th- I thought he had a fantastic game. Considering that we lost the game and our... Defence has been so poor over the last year. I thought he stepped up to the mark really well. He got his foot in when he needed to. He was making tackles. He wasn't giving the ball away in in silly fashion as he does once or twice in the game, as we've seen in the past. I I thought he acquitted himself very well. And if there is a thought of him before uh, the Liverpool game being loaned out for the season, I would think he's just secured his place in the squad for the year. And I think it now puts possibly, if we're looking at having to get rid of one centre-half, it may well be Rudiger. 
Yeah, interesting that Rudiger wasn't wasn't involved, wasn't it? Um, that 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 was very telling. Look, on Tamori, I think you're right. He came on. I thought he had an excellent excellent half. Um, let's not kid ourselves though. He wasn't particularly good um, before he 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 sort of took a, a period on the sidelines. He he'd made a lot of errors and mistakes and looked he looked a little bit inexperienced and immature. Um, we'd seen flashes of the player that he could be. We'd seen some evidence that he had the attributes to be a top class defender, but there was no real certainty that he was going to command a place at centre back. So it was good to see him come back with something to prove and, and, and with some positivity and to play extremely well. But let's get some perspective on it. One game does not make a season. You know, I'd like to see Tamore uh, play a little bit more. I'd like to see him, you know, rapidly develop into the player that people tell me that he is. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm reserving some judgment until I see that. Of course, well, that, that's exactly right, and that's the right, right way to do it. Don't get carried away, don't get too despondent about things. That, but credit where credit's due. He did, have a, he did have a really good game. I mean, there's no two ways about it. He, he looked really solid. He, his decision-making was good. He was good with the ball at his feet. He cleared things. He tackled. You know, can't really fault his performance. So, you know, good, good for him. I'm, I'm really pleased for him. And also, he, do, he did the thing that we talk about and you talk about a lot as well is, you know, if you come into the side, you've got to seize your opportunity. You've got to make people take notice of you. He did and, that. Yeah, he okay, definitely look, he did could that. Have a, absolutely. So, you know, he might have a dreadful game next time out and then we go, ah, oh, see, he's too much of a mixed bag. Or it may just be the start. Whatever. I think he's made a lot of people take notice of him and I, I'm still certain that Frank has kept him out of the way for whether it's injury purposes or try and build up his confidence because you're right because towards the end of his time in the first team his confidence looked a bit shot I think he'd overplayed mm. uh, and I think he'd started making those sort of mistakes that we saw towards the end so look he's done everything he can I think in that in a 2-0 loss to stand up and show himself as a, you know, a, a man who's possibly got a decent enough future. We will see. There's Time lot, will tell. It will. There's, there was a lot of ifs in that game, wasn't there? You know, so yeah. if if Christensen hadn't been sent off, could we have maintained that shape and that discipline for the whole game? That's the first if. If um, if uh, Kepa hadn't had a brain fade and gifted a goal to Sadio Mane... It would have been 1-0, not 2-0. Um, and, of course, if Jorginho hadn't missed his penalty, could have been one all. You know, so there were there were lots of ifs. And, you know, it does illustrate the margins that we're dealing with. You cannot make mistakes against teams like Liverpool. cannot afford to miss your opportunities when they come. And you cannot gift them opportunities like we did. So, you know, 2-0, when you look at, you know, if you take a kind of helicopter view of the game and look down on it and look at put everything on the table and look at it, Lots of ifs and buts. So I don't think it's necessarily the cause for, you know, meltdown that social media after the game seemed to suggest it was. No, me neither. I'm positive about it. And I, I think Frank's positive about it, possibly more so than, say, after the Brighton game. We went down to 10 men against the champions of this country who are far and away better than any other side, which I hate to say, and that really hurts. But down to 10 men, and we only lost 2-0. 
And let's face it, those goals came at a time while we were settling back into our shape, trying to get everything worked out. I thought we acquitted ourselves well. Not to say that I'm happy with a 2-0 loss. But no. really, when you went down to 10 men, you're thinking, oh, my God, if they get going, this could be 4, 5, 6. If we defend like we did, it could be a, a Bayern Munich kind of score. But gotta take it the didn't positives. happen. So. Got to take the positives yeah, out of the game. Totally. Got to take the positives out of the game of a, you know, a, a slightly... Uh, undercooked and underpowered team selection for obvious reasons with injury and players being unavailable. Um, some individual player errors, miss a penalty, gift a goal. Um, but the positives were for 40 minutes or so, you know, we played strategically well against a very, very good team. And I think that that is glimmers of hope for, for when we do have the team that Frank Lampard was and, and you know, the, the options that are available to him, then we can see what he's doing. I mean, those play, those people saying that, you know, Frank Lampard should go, that he's not tactically aware, that he's not strategically good enough, really need to think about the players that he has available to him now and, and whether or not that is, you know, that's justified that criticism because I genuinely don't think it is. No, I'm with you on that. The, the other positive I'd take out of it was the heart we showed, because the, the heads looked as though they went down when we went went down 1-0. But then there just seemed to be a collective sort of puffing up. And, and I thought Mount, and in particular Timo Werner, showed real quality in their, their battling spirit. Werner didn't stop running the whole game. And there was one point with about 10 minutes to go, he ran back to our penalty area to win a tackle and then get straight up the other end of the field. He, he looks as though he's got the right kind of heart for us, doesn't he? He's the real deal. I think he's been, in the Brighton game and this game, an absolute superstar. You know, I think he's made both games worth watching. How exciting to have a player that has that much character and charisma, as you say, heart about him, when he has flankers running next to him with Zayek and Pulisic, you know, Callum Hudson-Odoi if he rises to the challenge, if he has players with pace keeping up with him, if he has Havertz sitting in the hole, creating things, creating assists, feeding off him, if he has a solid uh, midfield and defence behind him and a goalkeeper that... I mean, I just think the whole team can revolve around Turbo Timo, as they call him in, in Germany. I think that he's, uh, you know, he's a fantastic, energetic skillful, passionate and committed player. And as you say, that's perfect for Chelsea Football Club. Yeah. So I think on that note, we should leave the Liverpool game behind. Yeah, see ya. And Bye. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> Gone. Doesn't matter, does it? So, OK, well, look, it's that time of the week where we get first, worst and best. And this comes from Russell Saunders all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Hi, my name is Russell Saunders, no relation to Andy, and I'm the secretary of the Melbourne Chelsea Supporters Club in Australia. I grew up in a town called Wokenham in Berkshire and moved to Melbourne in 2002. My first match was Highbury 1984. I went with my older brother and his mates and we sat in the stand, eight of us in title. My brother was the reason that I got into Chelsea. Our fans were everywhere that day, very obvious in the West End when you see uh, photos of Dixon's goal. We all stood up to celebrate, such a brilliant feeling, thoroughly enjoyed the day. My worst match, sorry for picking the Champions League final in 2008, spent more time flying to and from Melbourne than I did in Moscow. My wife wasn't too pleased about me going, but if there'd been an ultimatum, I would have got a divorce. She knew I was bonkers about Chelsea, but this was just taking it to another level. 
I've done a few five-day round trips for finals since this one, and I'm still married somehow. Three of us went, another expat called Richard, and then Nick, the token Australian. The latter was nearly left in the train station at Melbourne as he'd got a Chelsea shirt with Champions 08 printed on the back of it. Idiot. We left Monday afternoon, arrived Tuesday, lunchtime in Moscow via Singapore and Dubai. We saw plenty of other supporters from both teams on the route from Singapore. On the match day, it was off to a pub for a few beers and then some place that Chelsea chat bloke had arranged. I don't think he got enough people to it because the Mafia-style management were insisting we all pay more and that wasn't going to happen. It was the start of a hideous night looking back. So many tanks on the street on the walk up to the stadium, not sure what the Russians were expecting. Anyway, we lost on penalties as we all know. Felt we were the better side throughout the match and it was an injustice we didn't win. Drogba running 30 yards to slap Vidic was probably going to bite us on the arse and it did. I've only watched that incident and the JT penalty since that day. I'm sure I'm not in a minority in that regard. Our flight back to Singapore left seven hours after the match so we had to go straight to the airport and it was a very long 30 hours to get home. Best match I'm going to say Bolton 2005, mainly because it kick-started what's become a massive part of my life in Melbourne, organising stuff for the Chelsea supporters here. Victory that day to see us win the league was a scenario I'd never imagined seeing Chelsea achieve in all my years. I always felt that we were becoming a better club through the mid to late 90s. Obviously the arrival of Roman and some decent acquisitions meant that uh, we were going to another level. Match was a 2.30am kick-off on a Sunday morning in Melbourne. I'd only met a few Chelsea fans before that night. Uh, but there was about 20-odd in the Charles Dickens Tavern in the city for the match. A cagey first half from memory. Tension was eased when Frank scored on the hour, of course, and then Czech made a, a great save off Jeremy. And then we all went bonkers when Chelsea and, and Frank scored the second goal. A brilliant feeling, and the party was just getting started. A number of us went on drinking at various places in the city, and the three of us walked out of a bar in the afternoon to glorious sunshine, very appropriate. The start of many late night and early mornings watching Chelsea 10,000 miles away with good mates. And that's my first, worst and best. Thanks for having me. So that was Russell Saunders, who was at great pains to say he was not a relation of yours, Andy. No. Um, (laughs) But, okay. look, I know before you have a go at me, I know he picked the Moscow Champions League final um, and we've said it's not allowed. Well, I thought, what the hell? This is a man who travelled from Melbourne via, what was it, Singapore and Dubai to get to that game and turned it around and then went back straight after the game. I just think, you know, we, we talk about how people travel for games, but that is the ultimate travel isn't it and for that game really that's an epic journey well done russell fully respect especially for for you know for a game that ended so badly as well so you know not not even to go back when on on a high to go back so depressed and do that journey all over again i will hats off to you mate yeah absolutely because of course you went to moscow didn't you i did yeah i did and I had a friend who came over from Australia. I had a friend who came from Sydney, um, did a did a similar journey, um, and you know, and you know, I remember speaking to him afterwards about you know how, how appalling it was to have to go back with John penalty, uh, John Terry's penalty miss still vivid in the mind's eye. It's funny, isn't it? Because everyone talks about that, but nobody ever mentions the Anelka penalty. Well, you know, I mean, the, the key moment was the John Terry penalty. You know, if he'd have buried that, we would have won. 
that's that's why people mention yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, but we would have still been in it if Anelka had buried his as well. It's yeah, it's yeah. kind of weird how we. Uh, it's because of the character JT is. Um, I no, don't it's know because he could have seen... won the game, Kerry. That's 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 yeah, why well, that's why people mention it. You know. I know, well, I know yeah, what you're okay, saying. But, I know what you're saying, and we we have yeah. discussed that. We have discussed this on previous podcasts. The Nelka yeah. penalty. I know exactly what you're saying, but you know the vivid memory of that game. That's what you would have. Yeah. That's what you would have sat in your economy class seat all the way back to Melbourne, <laughs> brooding over, was uh, you know John Terry slipping and and shanking the ball, you know, oh. and, and and putting putting the ball five inches wide of Champions League glory. Oh, do you know what? I still can't talk about it. <laughs> I know. It took me years to get over it. I thought about it every day for years afterwards. It's a long time ago did now act- as well. Yeah, it is. Thank God. Mm. Um, but did you see the Inelka documentary on Netflix? No. Is it worth watching? It's interesting because they build him up as one of the greatest players in the world, which he actually isn't mm. um, and wasn't. But I, yeah, I found him quite an interesting character. Yeah. Um, you definitely get to to see the 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 man that is Nicholas and Elka. I, mm. Yeah, I, I, it's well worth watching. Good, in, I'll, in I'll a way, it, I'll put it on my list. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. Well, look, um, we've just got two games to wrap up, as in scores and predictions and what may happen. We've got Barnsley in the cup uh, on Wednesday evening, and then we got West Brom away. Mm. Um, these are chances for us to regroup, aren't they? Well, Barnsley, um, I would imagine, is going to be fringe players. It's going to be young players. It's going to be, uh, you know, like like all these EFL. What's it called? These this, this, what's it called? This cup this year? Carabao Cup. Still called the Carabao Cup. Okay, so yeah. so I think that will be an opportunity for players to come in and, and, and stake a claim. I think it'll be a mix of veterans and, and youth, and I always like that. You know, that's always a good thing for me, so quite looking forward to that game. Uh, West Brom, we have to win. We have to win that game, and, you know, however we do it, if we have to grind it out and, and play ugly, and um, we're more than capable, they don't look like a particularly good team. You know, we have struggled against West Brom in the past, uh, although of course we did win the league against them, with uh, Mishi Batshuayi's uh, probably biggest contribution to uh, during his time at Chelsea Football Club. Uh, um, he's now out on loan, of course, um, and you know, so so f- t- two games that we we probably should and should win. It'd be nice to to get a cup run going in a in a in a season that I think is genuinely going to be a transitional season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Okay, so uh, give me your predictions for Barnsley first. Barnsley, I'm going to go with a comfortable win. I'm going to say four nil. I'm going to say a bit of a a, a, a nail biter against West Brom, two one. Okay, I'm going to go for 3-0 against Barnsley and then I'm going to go for 2-0 against West Brom. Mm. It's going to be a week of clean sheets. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so, Kerry, because we could do that or do with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, all righty. Well, look, we're out of time. Andy, as always, it's uh, great to catch up with you and to go through it and... You know, everyone just take heart. We're we're moving forwards. That's the main thing. Now, if people want to get in touch with us, how can they best do that? Well, they can they can uh, get in touch with us uh, or follow us on Twitter. They can follow uh, at Chelsea Podcast on Twitter. Uh, they can follow me on at Mr A Saunders. They can follow you on at Kerry Levy, uh, which is C E R I L E V Y. On Instagram, it's at the Chelsea Podcast. Uh, I am at One True Saunders. You're at Kerry Levy One C E R I L E V Y One. Uh, I think that's about it, isn't it? 
but yeah, uh, you can it. you can direct messages you can leave feedback you can uh, you can say nice things about us I'd rather you didn't say nasty things about us but you know feel free if you absolutely must um, but yeah it would be nice to, to, to hear from you and also looking for more first worst and best so do get in touch with us um, get in touch with me probably or you through... isn't it you're, 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 yeah. be- you're better to do it so if you can direct message Kerry on at Kerry Levy uh, on Twitter that's probably the best way of doing it yeah absolutely okay well here we go I can't wait for the Carabao Cup now um, yeah Let's see what happens, and I'll speak to you next week, Andy. Cheers, Cheers, everyone. Bye. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you've got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.